chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 for our next reading of the Holy Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This text of Holy Scripture we're going to look at here this Sabbath day. We will be reading from a letter from the Apostle Paul, which he wrote to the Corinthian church. And this is a church that had many problems. Many of these problems were dealt with in this first letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. There were problems of division within the church, problems of worldly wisdom from the culture coming in and being influential, problems of gross immorality, sometimes even to great embarrassment. Uh, Christians taking each other to court, abuse of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and on and on. And if you've read through the book of uh, this epistle, uh, 1 Corinthians, you might ask the question, what did they get right? There, there are so many issues and challenges that Paul is writing about to the Corinthian church in this letter. And I also ask this morning before we read our text, if you saw such a church with so many problems, problems of division, problems of gross immorality and other things, would we attend such a church? It challenges us, doesn't it? So many problems, one by themselves would be a problem. Yet, having said all that, and all these things are true, Paul needed to address them in his letter. Paul could write what we're about to read here in this introduction about the privileges of being in Christ. And this introduction is not because of them, it's because of Christ. And what he has provided for his people. So friends, while we may not all have the problems of the Corinthian church, there is much for us to learn from this. And dare I say, the blessings of this church are the blessings of every church, even here in Rathfrey Island, the Sabbath day. So we're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. Let us hear God's holy and infallible word. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance, in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you are called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, 
our Lord, and may God bless his word to us. Today, if you listen long enough to radio or television, you might hear people talking a lot about the word privilege. Privilege. Uh, And the basic idea is this. Some people are born into certain circumstances and have better opportunities than others. And while people talk about this, something's always struck me. They talk about it very negatively. When it's really something quite positive. Something to be sad about, that you have money or good parents or whatever growing up. If you grow up in this island, dear friends, any part of this island, we have many privileges compared to much of the rest of the world. We're not perfect, of course. But compared to much of the rest of the world, we live in luxury. Many privileges even compared to our parents' and grandparents' generations who suffer greatly often to provide for us and to pass down things, farms and businesses and other things. So it is not something bad, but something to be grateful for. Whatever you have, it's to be grateful for, isn't it? These things are blessings. The hard work of our parents to provide these opportunities for work and education. They fed us, they taught us. We have the privilege of living in a free country, relatively free country, where we can serve God without the fear of death. Without the fear of physical harm, generally, for sharing the gospel with other people. There are places around the world, you take your life into your own hands by sharing the gospel. You can end up in prison for sharing the gospel in certain countries. So many things to be thankful for, to be thankful to God for. But with all these privileges, there are specific Christian privileges that we have in Christ through the gospel. Those purchased by Christ, that freedom from the bondage of sin, the slavery that sin brings. And the privileges of that joy and peace from receiving the gospel message. From trusting Christ. And dear friends, I pray as we'll see this here this morning. No matter what church you're in. No matter how strong or how weak. No matter how much theology you know or don't know. Uh, no matter what age you are, no matter what status you are in the church, be that elder, deacon, or any other role in the church, regardless of that, there are great privileges for all who are in Christ. If these things Paul could write about the Corinthian church, a church with many problems and difficulties we spoke about earlier, How much more could he speak about here, this morning? If you have trusted in Christ, dear friend, you are greatly privileged in a wonderful way. A way none of us really should take for granted. So the first thing we're going to look at here this morning is how are we so privileged in Christ 
And our title is Our Great Privilege in Christ. Number one, the first way we're privileged is by Christ's power. By Christ's power. Without the will of God, without his mercy, we would have nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing but the wrath of God for our sins. Verse 1 in our text. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. And Sosthenes, our brother. Through the will of God. Paul owed his role as a sent one. That's what it meant to be an apostle. A sent one. He was sent by God. To the will of God. God's pleasure. What God wants. Where was Paul or Saul of Tarsus before his conversion to Christ? Paul was in opposition to the gospel of grace. He was blind to the privileges and the blessings of Christ and knowing him and being in Christ. What did Jesus say to Paul on the road to Damascus? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul's opposition and persecution was not just against the church, but really against Christ himself. For dear friends, the church is in Christ. Those people who who do not wish to come to church and, and do not wish to listen to the gospel, they have no love for the word of God, they're just like Paul prior to his conversion. They have no love for the things of God. They do not see the blessings and the privileges of being in Christ. Verse 4 in our text says this, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. It is by sovereign grace. It is by His holy will that any of us have anything. That anyone's a Christian here this morning. The only way we can be a Christian here this morning is by the will of God. If you are here this morning, if you have put your faith in Christ, it is only by the will and the power of God. By the power of Christ. He has given you a new heart and a new nature because you've been brought into this new relationship with Jesus Christ. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is all by the grace of God. This is all by the will of God. It is not by your own will or power that you are now a Christian. We cannot look at our lost friends and neighbors and say, you know what, I've made a right decision, I've looked into it, and it's because I have decided. The difference between you and your lost friends and neighbors, dear friend, is the power of God. It is the will of God. 
Romans 9.16 says this, So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. You may, may believe you are believing here by your own will. Yes, God has changed you. He has given you a new nature that you have turned to him. But it is of his power and his will. Your own will before you were in Christ, what was it? Before you became a Christian. You may not remember that point. Maybe maybe you were raised in the church. Maybe the Lord regenerated you in your mother's womb. Perhaps you were regenerated at a young age. But whatever the case, before you were in Christ, before you were born again of the Spirit of God, you were a slave. You were not free. And you served sin. You served a cruel and oppressive master. Romans 6.17 says this, But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered, slaves of sin. Now, dear friends, if you are in Christ... You are free, not because of you, but because of the will of God. Just as Paul could say, we are here by the will of God. We are here because of the grace that has been given to us by Jesus Christ. He showed pity on each and every one of us that are in Christ. That's grace. It is undeserved. It is not earned. It is by the power of God setting you free. Now in Christ you have a great privilege, don't we? We all have a great privilege. A great privilege that it is to be set free, yes. But by the power of Christ to, be, to serve Him. The greater the master, the greater the privilege it is to serve that master. says in Psalm 84 verse 10, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Such a great privilege to be in the presence of God. To be close to Him. To serve God is greater than anything in this world. Anything the world could offer. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And you can only be free to do so by the will and the power of God. I say this that we come, when we come and praise to sing later, that we do so with a sense of, I am free because of God. I am not free because of me. I did not add a single hair's breadth to my salvation. It is all of Christ and it is all of grace. And that when we reach out to our lost friends and neighbors, we see that they are helpless apart from the will of God. They are slaves. And may that make us pray more for them. And as we praise, may our hearts be filled with what will one day await us in heaven. For dear friends, that's what heaven is. Full freedom 
and the praise of God. A place of perfect peace. Which brings us on to our second point. By Christ's peace. So we've looked at by Christ's power. Now we're looking at by Christ's peace. God can only look upon you with favor, dear friends, and blessings. If there is peace. If there is peace between you and God. And now as we think of peace... Peace can so easily be misunderstood. What do I mean by that? Not just simply a peace of mind. I'm not just simply meaning that you can sleep at night. Or that you are calm. But that there's a peace from war. What war? A war, dear friends, there has been a war raging that goes back thousands of years. Thousands of years. Between two groups, two seeds, since the fall of mankind in Adam. In Adam all die. The first Adam brought war through sin. But the second Adam, that is Christ... Brings peace to his people. It says in Genesis 3.15. Which shows the beginning of this war. This beginning of this enmity. This division that took place between these two seeds. It says in Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the woman. Between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head. And you shall bruise his heel. An enmity. A division. Conflict. The seed of the woman that is Christ, of those in Christ, and the seed of the serpent, those who serve the devil, Jesus said in John 8, that those who are in opposition against them, you are of your father the devil, and of his works you will do. The seed of the serpent, going right back to Genesis 3.15, those in Christ have this great privilege Of being part of the seed of the woman. Part of the seed of Christ. The seed that will be victorious over the other seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. He shall bruise your head. The the serpent will strike at the heel. Will will strike out. will, will, Will... Angrily attack the church. But at the same time. He shall bruise or crush. The head of the serpent. We will be part of a victorious seed. And which we will have peace with. The victor. The one who will be victorious over the other. Paul declares to the saints in. uh, Chapter 1 verse 3 of our text. Verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. That can only be true in Christ. This is not true in any other situation. Only in Christ. There is no other way for peace. In Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 13 to 15. But now in Christ Jesus. 
You who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And peace is so valued, isn't it, politically in our world. It is valued politically. If, if you're following the news, again, I don't, I don't know if I recommend following the news these days, but in the Ukraine, we, we, we look with nervousness across what's happening between Russia and the Ukraine, and, and we hope that there is no war. We hope that there is no conflict because war is ugly. War leaves many casualties and it inflicts deep wounds. And so men are striving for peace. How much more should we value the privilege of this peace that Paul writes to the Corinthians of? Though all the problems that they are facing... Though the division that they are facing, though the gross immorality that even the Gentiles can't even speak about, that they are facing, yet Paul can say grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ for those who are in Christ Jesus. This peace, dear friends, is possible because of Christ's holy life. Christ's holy sacrifice, how he appeased the wrath of God, how he took our punishment, how he took our penalty, so that for, the, for those who are in Christ Jesus, there's no more punishment. It has all been paid by Christ. And not only that, we are viewed as holy and righteous before God because of Christ, because he perfectly obeyed the law in every single point The war is ended. The war is over. And Christ has been victorious. His blood, how it washes sinners clean from their sins. Paul wrote in verse 2 of this introduction to this letter. To those who are sanctified. And to those who are sanctified is referring to who? In the start of verse 2, to the church of God, which is at Corinth. To those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who are in every place, call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours, with all who call on the name of the Lord. Sanctified in Christ Jesus. He's writing to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. He's writing to those cleansed in the blood of the Lamb. He's writing to those cleansed by Christ, to those seen as holy in Christ, to those set apart in Christ, to those who are pure in Christ. In the original language, in Paul wrote this letter in Greek, this word sanctified, it gives a sense not just of that moment, and it does, not just of that moment that They are sanctified in Christ Jesus. But it 
It also gives a sense of a continued on reality. Sanctified, yes, at that point, but going on into the future. At that moment, and it ever continues to be so. Holy and the great privilege of that blessing of being in Christ. Called to be saints. Uh, called to be holy ones. The ones who are in possession of grace and peace, which comes from Christ. This is the church in Corinth. Not a perfect church. Not one with a long past or a long pedigree, but a church in Jesus Christ. Filled with problems, but yet peace where it matters most with God. So we've looked at by Christ's peace. Now we're going to look at by Christ's provision. Number three, by Christ's provision. There's more, dear friends, to rejoice over as we look at this text. It says in verses 4 to 7, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance, in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come Short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the problems of the Corinthian church, might we be, or perhaps even they, be tempted to think that they were impoverished? Somehow, are they a lesser church? Today, because of the decline in many churches in the last number of decades, in number and in spiritual zeal, we can be tempted to think we are somehow lesser in God's sight. When we look back at the pages of history and we read of the Reformation, we read of our covenanting forefathers who suffered and were martyred. Somehow we may think that we are some kind of a a subgroup of the church if only we lived during the reformation we might think in our heads and and friends i've i've often thought that years ago if only i was a member of another church in another part of the world serving there far away fields but are they truly greener corinth with all of its problems was still spoken of by Paul in this incredible way. Actually, if you read on the rest of the letter, you'd wonder, is this really part of the same letter? But it is all true because of the provision of Christ. It is all true because of what they have in the gospel. If your church has the gospel, If it is trusting in Jesus Christ, it is true, not only of Corinth, but of here, and of any other church across these islands, a trust in Jesus Christ. They are in Christ, 
You are in Christ. And so greatly blessed. Greatly privileged to what God has given. To those in Christ Jesus. Now. Are we lesser? In any other way? From the churches in the past. The churches of John Calvin. The churches of Ulrich Zwingli. Uh, the, the churches of all the men we read about, uh, Matthew Henry, other people like that. No, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7, again to a church that was going through many tr- trials and difficulties, so that you come short in no gift. You come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Short in no gift. Now, at that time... The Corinthian church had the miraculous gifts, as other churches did as well. Miraculous gifts that are no longer in operation since the completion of Scripture. But this also includes other gifts of wisdom and knowledge. Gifts that continue still to this day. And dear friends, ask yourself here this morning, what gifts Has God given you by faith? If you are trusting Christ, though you may struggle in areas, and we all do, we all do, you are no lesser than anywhere else, regardless of the numbers, regardless of the age profile, regardless of the jobs you do. The work here in Rathra Island is just as important as anywhere else. God has gifted you, each and every one of you, in different ways to bless his bride. Areas that you can bless others. We grow in grace and wisdom by faith in Christ. Not by the period of time we live in. Or even the church we grow up in. Now I want to be careful about this because... People in the church greatly bless us, don't they? They encourage us to read our scriptures more. They encourage us to pray. So the church is vitally important to encourage us. We're not an island. We can't do it alone. It is important to go to a church that preaches the truth and values the truth and is subject to the word of the living God. But for all the issues Paul will deal with in this letter, they are not impoverished in the gifts. They are not falling short and the gifts. What has God given you? you can all, we all serve. It just depends in what way. And it's not all deacons. It's not all elders. There's many different roles to play in the body of Christ. All of us have a role to play. Gifts to serve the body of Christ. And what a great privilege it is to be given such gifts. What do we do? With such gifts. Do you develop. Such wonderful gifts. Privileges that you've been given. To use them to bless your brothers. And sisters in Christ. Are you. And the thing is. These gifts may be in seed form right now. Will you nurture these. Will you allow them to grow. Will you water them and feed them. Will you give them sunlight. That they will grow. And that others may see them and be blessed and encouraged in them. Having great riches, spiritual riches, given to you 
in Christ. Dear friends, you are not impoverished in Christ. If you are in Christ. If you are not in Christ, you are greatly impoverished. You may have the nicest car. You may have the biggest house. But if you do not have Christ, you are then greatly impoverished. In the greatest gift that you need. And the greatest treasures that await in heaven. What a great privilege we have in Christ. Our final point that we're going to look at here this morning is by Christ's person. By Christ's person. So we've looked at by Christ's power, peace, provision. And finally, by Christ's person. We are privileged to be represented by Christ, aren't we? He is our representative. He is the one who stands before the courtroom of God and represents us. Our advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. By a person of such unblemished character and record. One with such a perfect character. He cannot and will not change. A sinner in coming to the courtroom of God could not have a better representative. If you were going to court, perhaps you're innocent. Well, you would need a good representative before you. Well, here's the thing, dear friends. None of us of ourselves are innocent. Not only does he represent you, he also clothes you with his righteousness. In verses 8 and 9, Paul writes to the Corinthians, Who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ? That you may be blameless. Verse 9, God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is faithful. And why is the the character of Christ, that person who represents us, so wonderful? Why is he so wonderful? Why is it such a privilege? We all know what it's like to have poor leadership politically. I think we don't have to look very far for examples. Be that in Westminster or wherever. We can have a leader represent us on the world stage, but he may do something and we kind of go, that's a little bit embarrassing. And you say to someone who maybe voted for somebody else, he, that does not represent me. He does not represent me. He does not represent my values and what I care about. But dear friends, if we are set apart in Christ, part of the bride of Christ... And if we've been born again and our eyes are open to the beauties of Christ, we see the great privilege it is to be represented by such a person. We are in awe of such a person. Uh, The first Adam, our first representative in the Garden of Eden, broke the law of God. The second Adam, Christ Jesus, was victorious in a life perfect victorious over death, victorious over the grave. 
If we think of from history, we may think of somebody like Winston Churchill as someone this nation or Britain will remember fondly who represented the United Kingdom as our leader during the Second World War. He was victorious over an evil empire set on enslaving Europe. But here is a greater leader, far greater, one with an unblemished record, one with no sin, one who has been victorious over an evil reign, an empire of sin and Satan. When enslaving those in Adam, fallen in Adam, Christ Jesus our Lord, far greater. Christ is victorious over the grave, taken our wrath, taken our punishment, taken the death sentence and removed it as far as the east is from the west. So that when he appears, and he is coming again, dear friends, he is coming again, the Lord Jesus Christ, and when we see him, we will be as he is. But he is coming again. You will be blameless in him. Verse 8 once again. Speaking of Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Returning again. He is coming again to judge the quick and the dead. And on that day, there will be no charge for you, dear friend. There will be no guilt. There will be no shame in Christ Jesus, blameless, without penalty, without charge. What a great privilege that is, isn't it? What a wonderful privilege. What an amazing blessing. Of all the things we have done, of all the ways we have broken God's law, yet... If we're in Christ, on that day, we'll be seen as blameless. Dear friends, he will not fail you. He will not fail you. Verse 9 says, God is faithful. God is faithful. In the original language, sometimes the, the word order can be a bit in a different way. We can't do that in English. In the original is basically faithful God. The emphasis is on him being faithful. He is sure. He is trustworthy. He is reliable. And we struggle with this, don't we? Because we know we've had in relationships people we may have relied upon, trusted in the past, and perhaps... Many times fallen short. But here we have a friend who will never ever let us down. At any point along the journey. And especially not at the end. What a friend we have in Jesus. Do you have good reliable friends? People who you can depend on when you're in trouble. People you can call, you can pick up the phone no matter what time of day and night it is, and they will be there for you. Praise God if you do. That's a wonderful privilege. That is a wonderful blessing. 
And I bet you tell others about those friends. Those friends who were there when you were grieving for a lost friend. When you were going through trials and hardships. That person who gave you money when you were in trouble and helped you. And you will tell the other people years later of how they helped you. How much more has Jesus helped us? How faithful is he? How reliable and trustworthy is he? A great friend is not to be taken for granted. And neither is the greatest friend we could ever have. The Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest privilege is knowing him. Called into the fellowship of his son. And all the peace and joy that brings. Dear friends. Let us rejoice in knowing this great and faithful saviour. This great and faithful Savior by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We may feel today, dear friends, that our privileges are being taken away. If we look over the last two years, we we lament at the direction things have gone. But here in our text, to a church with many problems, with, with many blemishes, They have privileges that can never ever be taken away from them if they have faith in Jesus Christ. They have privileges and blessings which not only should they, but they need to boast of. And we all should boast of. To tell others of how wonderful it is to be a Christian. Not because of us, but because of Christ. This does not mean there will not be trouble before our final destination in heaven. But even a church full of problems, this could be said of. If you are a saint, a holy one, one set apart, then that blessing cannot be taken from you. But dear friends, I'm speaking to those who have placed their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. Just because you come to church does not mean you are a Christian. Have you trusted in him? Have you returned from your sin and placed your hope in Jesus Christ? Because unless and until you do, you are still without hope. You are still without Christ. Come. Seek the Lord while there is time. Seek the Lord while there is air in your lungs and while your heart is beating. For this life is but a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. We are here for such a short time, dear friends. And what I'm speaking about is eternity. Either an eternity in Christ or an eternity facing the consequences of our sins. Amen.